0: You're listening to the Remorseless Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to episode number 18. This is Beth Fisher, your ever increasingly never out of words host of the Remorseless Podcast. <laughs> so I say that because I'm realizing my spiritual formation over the course of my life has really been about how do I change the amount of words that I have and really what am I saying with those words, right? I needed to be formed in a way that really spoke to my spiritual giftings, and I'm pretty sure you guys do too. It's this crazy thing about how God uses us to be formed when like, we're least expecting it and we don't even really want it to be happening. We kind of don't have a choice, which is why I say that spiritual formation is an invitation, not a race, right? We're not on the clock to be formed. It's just gonna happen, and we either accept the invitation and we RSVP, yep, God, I'm gonna show up, or we don't go to the freaking party. All right, guys, settle in, buckle up, get ready. I'm really glad you're here. Thanks for continuing to join us and episode 18. Let's go. remorselessly biblical. I'm really glad you're back with me today. Thank you for joining on Life Network for Women. Thanks for being here, as always, where we really just take an important look at scripture as it relates primarily to all the hard things in life, right? That's what I really care about, is how we show up on our journeys, how we become closer to God through knowing ourselves better. For me, for many, many years of my journey, I did not know myself well Or if I did, I didn't take the time to accept it, acknowledge it, be okay with it, stop pretending I was somebody that I wasn't so that other people might feel more comfortable themselves or accept me. You know, I feel like I basically belong somewhere. I think we all struggle with that, don't we? I think we all say, I really want to feel loved. And when we don't, we go to a lot of measures to have that happen, to receive love. And when we do that, we lose ourselves. So I am all things all the time about leading people on their own journeys, their individual journeys, uh, their journeys in the workspace and their family space in whatever areas of their lives that they show up. And I say, who are you in those moments? Are you the same person? Are you presenting yourself authentically? We talked last week about the disciples and how Jesus arranged them. The dozen, right? Somebody said cheaper by the dozen. I don't think they were cheap. I think they were absolutely (laughs) chosen by Jesus to say, you guys go to the ends of the earth and represent me well and tell people who don't know me all about me. And here's you know, the thing we talked about last week is that they were just people too, right? Peter was a fisherman, they were many of them were fishermen. Matthew, the tax collector, we talked about, Judas who betrayed Jesus. They were twelve broken, sinful guys. Who didn't get it either, but they listened to Jesus. And it took me a really long time to hear the Lord talk to me. Like, talk to me in terms of maybe not audibly, but provide me with the absolute certainty that, like, I'm okay. You know, I am made in His image, just like you are, just like we all are. But I didn't know that. I did not know scripture at all. I didn't know the story at all. And that's why I care so much about teaching people in a way that resonates with them. Because the other thing I learned, you guys, is that the way that we each learn is very different and teaching people scripture in one way only is not going to land on everybody, right? It's not going to be received by everybody in the same way. We, we know that there are varying um, ideas about what scripture says. There are varying translations. People will argue about it, which never feels right to me. Why would we ever argue about what God is saying? And why wouldn't we respect how somebody else is receiving it? Because we don't know how God wants to talk to them or reach them. Uh, He he needed a lot of years to reach me, a lot of detours and a lot of different ways. So, you know, we're not, it's not a race. And if I'm saying that, you guys know that it must be true, right? Because I'm always racing somebody or something or the clock. Uh, But we're not in a spiritual formation race. Not at all. What about the thief on the cross? You hear me talk about that all the time too, in like the 11th hour at the last moment when the thief looked at Jesus hanging there and, and understood in that moment who he was. And I think it's intimated that the thief on the cross didn't know who Jesus was until that very point, right? That's all it took is a recognition. Some of us recognize who Jesus is from a very young age and we continue to grow in that walk. Some of us recognize who Jesus is from a very young age and we stop walking. You know, we have choices in life and life is um, hopefully a very long path for us, right? I I mean, I know we all know people that um, have not lived many years on this earth, but then we also know people who have lived to be 85, 90, 100 years old. That's a long time, a lot of human years to be here. So what happens when somebody recognizes who Jesus is, accepts who Jesus is, believes in Jesus, and then lives a hundred years? Like, do they just believe that at age 12, say the sinner's prayer and yes, Jesus, I believe in you. And then like, that's it? No, that is not it. It can't be it, right? How boring would that be? First of all, (laughs) I mean, it would just be like, okay, I, I got this thing and now I'm over it. We're never over our relationship with God. Because it grows and it changes and it deepens and it strengthens. And so do we. That's where we're going today, you guys. I really, really wanted to share with you some things that I've learned under the heading of spiritual formation. We are not stagnant people. We are dynamic, moving, growing, changing, deepening in wisdom people. And it takes us, again, varying amounts of years and, and we're not on the same time clock to do it. But it does happen whether we want it to or not, whether we want to recognize and acknowledge it or not. Once I started to recognize and acknowledge and accept it, that is when my relationship with God became just really solid and every day. And um, here's the bottom line. I-, I relinquished control. Again, you guys know if I'm saying that, then that, that must be mean something. There must be something to that, right? It's for somebody who always has had checklists and wanted to control things, because that's really, I think what made me feel safe. I think that's what makes many of us feel safe is if we can control the things right in front of us, like our days, our tasks, our relationships, then we can control, we think the outcome we can control ourselves. We can keep ourselves from getting hurt, but we're not in control at all. And the second that we say, God, I trust you. I know you work all things for your good. My life, you work it all together for your good. And if we serve a good and loving, unconditionally loving God, then what he's going to work out for us is also good and loving and unconditionally in our best interest. So spiritual formation is where we're going to go today. And I want to share a couple things with you. We're going to be in Ephesians for a couple verses and also in second Peter. Remember when I said I didn't really used to understand what scripture was as a little girl? I didn't read it. I didn't open the Bible till I was 30. Um, I, also, I also used to think that there were two Peters and um, two Corinthians. I didn't know Corinthians. I <laughs> thought it was probably a person too. I had no idea a place of Corinth is where that originated. I didn't know that it was a letter to the Corinthians written by Paul. But I literally, you guys, thought that 2 Timothy meant that there were two dudes in the Bible named Tim. Wrong. Okay, in the second letter of Timothy, where we'll be as well. So, I often when I read scripture supplement with additional readings as well, just to help me kind of figure out um, really what it's saying to me in those moments. So, one of my favorite books about spiritual formation is called Invitation to a Journey, a roadmap for spiritual formation. So, it's um, written by Robert Maholland, and uh, he also wrote a book called The Deeper Journey. But just very quickly, I'm going to start here because this really sums up, for me, what spiritual formation is. He describes spirituality that is viewed as a static possession. We feel we can achieve and control, or as a journey that unfolds through an increasingly faithful response to the one whose purpose shapes our path, whose grace redeems our detours, whose power liberates us from crippling bondages of the prior journey, i.e. prior mess-ups, mistakes, sins, and whose transforming presence, God's transforming presence, meets us at each turn in the road. God is always there. I also really like what C.S. Lewis said about this. Every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part that chooses, into something a little different than it was before. So think about that. Every time you guys make a decision about your day, about your next moment, every decision you make, what C.S. Lewis says, and I cannot agree with this anymore, is that the part of you that's doing the choosing is turning into something a little different than it was before, a little deeper, a little more wisdom, a little more certainty, a little more clarity, right? A little more growth transformation on our spiritual journeys. And taking your life as a whole, he goes on, with all your innumerable choices, all your life long, you are slowly turning the central thing either into a heavenly creature or into a hellish creature, either into a creature that is in harmony with God and with other creatures and with itself, or else into one that is in a state of war and hatred with God and with its fellow creatures and with itself. So what does that mean? C.S. Lewis says, every time we do something, every time we make a choice, something's happening within us. It's one of two things. We're either growing in a relationship with God or we're turning a little bit further away from God. We're not growing. One of those two things is happening all the time. We're, we're in spiritual warfare, right? There's there's a winner and a loser. Like, I, I could never understand either of you guys when I was teaching scripture and people would say, well, I don't know if I believe in Jesus. So we know, we talk about that. We unpack that. You know, that's a very, um, respectful conversation that needs to ensue. You don't just say to somebody, well, how can you be so dumb not to believe in Jesus? I mean, that's really, it's really not loving, right? That's sort of the antithesis of how Jesus would respond. But when somebody says that you can, and I have talked about, um, reaching certain people, right? I'm very competitive. And for me, Years ago, somebody said, look, there's kind of like two teams in scripture. Somebody wins and somebody loses. I'm like, I went on the winning team. I went on Jesus' team. We know how the story turns out. We can go to the book of Revelation and read, right? We understand what's happening through this story. We understand that it's a fight every single day. Well, what C.S. Lewis is saying is that every single day we have choices on our spiritual journey. A spiritual formation journey, you guys, is it's a personal one. It's a personal one first and a collective one as you go along. And the personal spiritual journey is not on anybody's time schedule, but your own. That's it. It means, are you every day learning a little bit more, taking some more empathy and compassion and demonstrating that? Like Micah 6, 8 says, right? What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Are you doing those things? Are you acting justly if you see somebody in the world that you know needs help are you helping like jesus helped are you stopping on the side of the road right are you picking somebody else up who needs a little bit uplifted are you doing those things are you acting justly are you loving mercy for your neighbors who might not think like you who might not act like you who may be hard to love are you showing them mercy and as you do those things, are you walking humbly with God? Humility, you heard me say a little bit ago, relinquishing control is how I needed to go about my spiritual formation journey. We, we're not in control of it, right? So we can't just wake up and say, hey, God, I think today, like I'm in, I'm going to just knock out this whole spiritual formation thing today. Got it. No problem. I'm in. No, um, we, we are not in charge. And so for me, I had to relinquish control, which means humility. For those of you that are like clenching your fists and holding on and thinking you can control every single thing about every single moment of your life, I no, I, I say good luck sort of sarcastically because it just doesn't happen. How many of us have tried it and nothing goes according to plan? Right? You probably heard people say, Man, God has a sense of humor. You want you want to crack him up? Try telling me your plans. We we can. We can think and we can act and we have free will and we can have goals and aspirations. And those are all good things. But what we have to do as we pursue those things is be open to spiritual formation, is to be open to God's direction, right? There are so many doors that will open for you if you just have your eyes open and focused on things that might not be on your to-do list, that might not be things that you're trying to control yourself. Okay. So one of the things, if we go to, I'm going to go back to this book a second, Um, because here's what it talks about the Christian journey being the Christian journey, the spiritual formation journey, therefore is an intentional and continual commitment to a lifelong process of growth toward wholeness in Christ. It is a process of growing up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. That comes from Ephesians. I'll read it in a second until we attain to mature personhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It is for this purpose that God is present and active in every moment of our lives. So if we go to Ephesians um, 4, I'm in Ephesians 4, and I'm going to read verse 13, which is what we just read in the book. And it says, um, I'll, I'll back up to 11, Ephesians four eleven. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Until, this is verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, I think it should say womanhood, but I'm not going to argue, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind and doctrine, park that for a second, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, we're in verse 15, speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Okay. I love this Ephesians, also from Ephesus. Back in the day, I also didn't know that Ephesus was a place before I knew what the Bible was really talking about. So what is Paul saying in his letter to the Ephesians here? He's basically saying it's a spiritual journey, you guys. Like nobody expects, uh, for all you new parents out there, right? Maybe you have a a newborn who is still sleeping in a crib. Okay, so you put your newborn down for a nap in the crib and you walk away and you make lunch and you do whatever you need to do. And then you go back when your baby wakes up. Do you expect when you walk into the room that your newborn baby's going to be like, Standing in it, eight, nine, ten years old? No, it is a process. It's a journey until we mature into the likeness of Christ. That is the spiritual formation journey. In fact, this is the definition the process. This is the definition of spiritual formation the process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. The process of being formed. Process, process, process. I cannot emphasize that enough. How many of you have zero patience? Okay, this was me a long time ago. Maybe like yesterday, but I'm trying, right? I'm working towards my own spiritual formation and process in this whole incredible journey of life because I know my weaknesses. I know the things that I have not taken time to work on in my own spiritual formation in the past. And it's caused me a lot of struggle, a lot of strife, a lot of ruined relationships. In fact, this morning, I'll share with you guys. I was um, a little, it's Friday as I'm recording this. And Fridays are a day that I typically work from home and like to do a lot of catch-up, which means, uh, not, not as in ketchup and mustard, I catch up on things and I'm like, I have so much to do. And my husband, who's the sweetest guy on the planet, says, why are you being mean to me? And I'm like, I'm being impatient. That's what I was being. I was being impatient with myself because I wanted to get all of these things done. I go back to not in control. One of the hardest lessons to learn is that if you have all of these things filling your day, filling your time, filling your mind, where's the time for God? Where is your personal grace and space? Where's your personal grace of yourself to give yourself a break and say, I don't have to do all these things, right? That goes back to performance-based acceptance. I still struggle with that, but I'm getting better. And what I've learned is it's okay to not have anything to do. It took me a long time to figure that out. I always thought I can't sit still. I can't not have anything to do because then I'd be unproductive. And if I'm unproductive, then what does that say about me? I don't have any worth and value if I'm not doing anything. What does God want? Why did he make us only to be with us, to be in relationship with us? Well, If you're so busy filling your days, filling your mind, filling your spaces, with everything but God, there's no room to be in relationship with him. And there are times, you guys, there are times in our lives when we just don't have space. It's not an excuse, it's reality. And the thing you have to understand too is when you give yourself a break, what that means is don't stay stuck in guilt and think that you're washed up and you're terrible and you're a loser and God's mad at you. No, no, he understands always. And so there's never a point in your journey that you've done something so wrong, that you've been away from God for so long that he won't welcome you back with open arms, right? Like he did the prodigal son, right? Remember that incredible parable and the father just, the son goes away from him and the father has like a backup kid, right? The prodigal son's brother is still home. So it's not like the father didn't have other children. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. God has all of us. So if one of us is struggling and turns away and is not in relationship or runs away, like the product runs away from home, runs away from home, as in the Holy Spirit is our home living within us, God's not going anywhere. He's not on the clock either. God lives outside of space and time. But sometimes we get so stuck in our own minds that we have done something so wrong or we've turned from God for just too long, right? We've been away. We've been out of relationship. We don't even know how to talk to him anymore. So we're so fearful that we're just going to keep messing up and that those things are just really holding us back that we just don't try. And when you don't try, you become more and more and more broken and downward spiraling away from your spiritual growth and transformation. It is a journey, you guys. It's a process. And I just really encourage you to not give up as you do that. So I want to go to 2nd Peter There's only one Peter, the second book of Peter. And I want to read this to you as well. It's uh, in the very first chapter, right? After the greeting. And I'm in verse three of second Peter. This is what it says. His divine power has granted to us, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, here we go, this is spiritual growth and formation, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does this say? It's, it's this whole passage about building blocks. And I love that the last thing it ends on is love. Again, it goes back and it just says for every effort, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. So we have this foundational layer of faith. We are believers. You know, I remember once when I was a little girl, I was always asking questions. I was probably four years old. I can say four because I hadn't yet gone to school. So I lived in a very small house in a very small town on the corner. So, our house sat on a corner, there was a road, and I would oftentimes go outside, cross the road, and sit on the curb. And our tiny house sat on a street that had a dead end. So, I would sit on the curb, look over our tiny, tiny house up to the hill, and see cows behind this barbed wire fence. And I remember specifically this feeling, this thought in my head of how did those cows get here? And what if there was nothing? What if there was no hill, no fence, no cows, no life. I just had this question about how and why and what if there wasn't anything. And in that moment, you guys, I remember specifically a feeling I had. I didn't have the words to describe it then. I know what it is now, but I still, it's so heavy, so profound when you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you, right? From within. And I remember as a four-year-old little girl thinking these thoughts and then feeling this overwhelming sensation of, I put those cows there. I put you here. I'm here with you. And it was just this peace that passes all understanding and this sense of, wow, something bigger than me did all this. I was four years old. I hadn't gone to school. I hadn't gone to church. I hadn't clearly read the Bible. I don't think I could read. So It's just a feeling. God is always, always with us. So I want to leave you with this to hammer home the point of spiritual formation. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians. Uh, I'm on this second kick, right? I know, I think earlier I said we're going to read from 2 Timothy. No, we read from 2 Peter. But I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're going to be in verses 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18 say this. Now the Lord is the Spirit, And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the spirit, the Holy Spirit in us. That's what that means. Being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory from one degree of understanding from one four-year-old self to one, not four-year-old self, to one middle-aged woman who has been through an incredible amount of experiences in the interim. And so have you been, right? Spiritual transformation, spiritual progress, an invitation to spiritual formation is over time. And we're not on the clock to do it. If we have the faith to believe as we all do, that God is within us and transforming us from within, no matter what we're doing, then we will eventually get to that process of, wow, thank you. I have hindsight, God. I know why you were working all these things together for my good, because now I'm here. And then when you're here, you're going to go there and there. And there. there is no end game. There's no end point. It is literally about the journey, not the final destination. Our destination is God within us here, here now, right? We are doing kingdom work and we will be within the kingdom someday. That transformation will happen. But in the meantime, it's happening already. So I hope that brings you joy and comfort and peace and a sense of overwhelming knowing that you are being shaped into the person that God created you to be. So relish in that fact. Keep showing up on your journeys keep being remorseless. And if I can help you in any way, reach out to me. I'm at bethfisher.com. Thank you again for being here on Remorselessly Biblical. And I will see you all next week. Peace. Thanks for listening, guys. Hey, I really want to ask you one quick favor. Would you please, 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 please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and leave a positive review. I'm not asking for a review if it's negative. Please be spiritually formed be formed into a positive person. Let the spirit lead you, whatever needs to happen here. But I I would really love any kind of encouragement in the way of a positive review left on here because it would really make a huge impact and dent into where I continue to head. So thank you. Thank you for doing that in advance. Thanks for being here. Please let me know how I can help, right? workbooks, workshops, speaking engagements, whatever you guys need on your own, spiritual journey, formation into becoming and being the person that God created you to be. All right, guys. Thanks again. See you next week.